0: All right.
1: All right, all right, all right. So, I
0: don't like doing this. Do you guys video. have
1: anything you want me to do searches for? I found yeah. one mention of Noam Chomsky, but just in passing. Chomsky's in there? Interesting. No, Chomsky has just mentioned that he signed something It doesn't actually <coughs> engage with any of his ideas.
2: Oh, he signed that cancel culture thing, I'm sure is what he was talking about, I'm sure. Yeah. Without even, without even having to think twice on the guess, yeah. It's funny, I, I think of Chomsky as like the less version of Levin, as like someone who just pounds out, I mean, Chomsky puts out probably four books a year. Yeah, uh, Chomsky
1: actually reads those books, though, to be fair.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, 30 years ago, Chomsky was really into the... Just it really into all of it. then he got to a point where he became like the left's like we need something, always known. Can you be that guy? And he's like, Yeah, sure. I'll just basically everything I scribble on my notebook you can publish.
1: Let's see. Zero results for Denmark, zero results for Sweden, zero results for Mondragon, two results for the Communist Manifesto, but zero results for Das Capital or Capital.
2: I mean the real targets there, you know, it, it's funny, like again, I if if I tried to bring it back to something like the real like he's he really sees education schools and higher ed as like the real battleground the real battleground like i said he at like 20 years old like he he got his bachelor's degree from temple i want to say at like 20 i think it was like 20 years old he was young precocious kid and immediately took a school board position somewhere in like the jersey or pennsylvania wherever he was like on a school board and like so he's, I think, for a very long time, he has identified the real, sort of ideological battle, the real battle, sort of for the soul of America. I think is probably how he sees it is is as at the level of education. And I mean, you know, and and I, I mean, I just shared a, a meme on Facebook this week that, that was like, reading books leads to communism. And he literally, I mean, like he has this like page and a half where he's like, hey, guess what? Lenin went to college. Lenin was well-read and Lenin said it was in college where he read things that radicalized him. Guess what? Mao was a peasant. Sure. But then he became a teacher and he had access to a library where he started reading things and that's what radicalized him. Paul Pot was, was wealthy and educated. You know what I mean? It's like you go to college and you get introduced to things and then they fucking warp your mind with their books and their ideas. Yeah. And then you, and then, and then you're brainwashed and you're indoctrinated and shit falls apart. But trust me, the guy with the bachelor's degree and the JD from an elite, you know, East Coast school, I'm not trying to indoctrinate you with my radio talk radio show or my Fox News program or my books. But do
0: you think that in school he was like he didn't fit in? You, You see what I mean? Like, like, like he actually has like a personal issue with with the education system that he's he's sort of transmitting into society in this in this fashion.
1: I don't
2: know oh i don't i don't know i mean i i would think it just strikes me more as he's a wealthy kid and a wealthy lawyer who's been in the highest ranks of power and and understands that you do you know, know
0: his his class background i mean is he really a wealthy kid or was he like a smart kid that got into a good school that was from working class people
1: let me check mean, my his, notes his dad was an author if i remember correctly yeah oh, okay say, so I, i'm gonna go
0: I, i'm gonna go rich kid then
2: I believe – I mean, my notes are uh, B.A. in political science, 1977 at 19 years old. Then he won a school board seat on a platform of reducing property taxes. Yeah, he was a rich kid. That's an
0: upper middle class kid. J.D. in 1980. At 24,
2: 1981, he worked in the Reagan administration. Then he was a deputy assistant secretary for elementary and secondary ed at the U.S. Department of Education. Then he became the deputy solicitor at the U.S. Department of the Interior – Eventually, he was the chief of staff for Edward Edwin Meese, I believe was his guy's name. Of course, general, uh-huh. under Reagan from eighty-five to eighty-eight. I mean, which, it sounds
1: like he wasn't very good at his job. If the schools are now full of Marxist indoctrination, <laughs> he, well, yeah. what was he
3: doing all that time? Well, that's the thing. It's like, if you're always losing, then you can always fundraise off that. It's like, look, they're increasing their strength. Pay you know. You too can send in. If you send in fifty dollars now, you can help stave off the mess. And you know, it's the same. You so know. I- the,
2: well then he I mean but then he took a he took a job and where was it he uh, what was he he got he was the head of a think tank
3: so he the, then, landmark attacked. legal foundation and then the yeah. whole
2: thing was teachers unions that teachers unions take money and fight for a political agenda that that therefore makes them you know invalidated to teach our children because as you can see by their union their union work they're they're leftists and radicals or whatever like he's He's been in the trenches of, of, of like education warfare for decades. And, and you know, and I, and I read like, like I said, there's, I had to go back to my notes on the title, the chapter titles, but the, the propaganda, censorship and subversion chapter, chapter six, like that's all anti media, anti intellectualism. You know, like that whole chapter, the whole point of that is like, you know, all these fucking losers in the system and the world's greatest system ever. There are losers, and these losers are enabled by the, these these elite enablers that, that that take advantage of their of their loserness or whatever, and, and you know manipulate them towards these ends to destroy American culture and society, which that of course was, he makes clear is capitalism. That was maybe
1: the most frustrating chapter for me too, because that's probably the one area where I'm more sympathetic to him ideologically than i am any other because you know i'm a big free speech guy you know i don't like tech censorship i don't like you know corporate you know sticking their oar in and telling people what they can and can't say i thought that the you know suppression of the hunter biden laptop story was frankly pretty appalling and I, i was totally ready to get on board but it's just like he makes the argument so incompetently that i'm like I'm ready to go over. I'm ready. I'm just, you know, (laughs) ready to back him up and be like, hell yeah, brother. But it's just like. It's not a sincere argument, though. Well, it's it's definitely not a complete one because, I mean, he just leaves so much out. Like, I mean, he doesn't mention, for example, the fact that Facebook is also perfectly happy to, you know, suppress Black Lives Matter posts. And they're perfectly happy to suppress, you know, Palestinian posts. Like.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and and there, I, I don't understand this argument that, like, all of these corporations are, you know, working from this completely woke ideology. I mean, it seems pretty hard to deny from my perspective that what they're after is, you know, profit. That's what they're designed for. And so if it makes them money to support woke ideologies, they're happy to do that. But it's not because, you know, everybody in the board is, you know looking to spread critical race theory. It's because they don't yeah. want to get sued. It's because they, you know, know that if they present themselves as, you know, the in this particular way, that a, you know, a lot of the public is going to be more likely to purchase their products. Right.
3: And also, yeah. that was, but that, yeah, it's been the historical problem, the, the tension between any sort of like social conservative or reactionary type for... You know, at least forever. Well, also, real quick. But the thing about the thing about the school boards is that you notice that like, he he gets involved in this stuff in the '70s, which is when like that's definitely when like the new right was really you yeah. know building up and everything, and like telling everybody to trying to get as many people onto places like school boards and such. Go, like that was
2: go small, go local. That was the whole Gingrich machine in the '70s. Yeah, I mean that's that's when the current GOP. Took over and really started to dominate politics in America. Yeah, it was the seventies. Yeah, go local, go small, control things at the lower grassroots level and all the way up, and they've been winning the fucking political game for what is that now? Fifty years? Right. I mean, they really have.
3: But also, but the the thing is, like they've and they've also they've won so successfully that um, like the well, in, in terms of like they, they they were like big, you know, because of the Cold War, they were like big, like you know free market people, you know, free market and freedom and, and such, but also, but not, but not liking the cultural developments that like, you know, all of these like free market people were pushing. It is mm. uh like, wait a minute, you, you know, you know, Hollywood is now, you know, making, you know, the, the, these Hollywood, co- these big Hollywood corporations are now, you know, ruining the, uh, ruining the morals of our precious white youth. Because of all, you know, in, because of all, like, all the unrestricted things, or, like, it's, it's, it's the same thing in, the, in the, I mean, this has gone on forever, in the, in its latest incarnation is the woke capital attacks, that mm. they're doing this because they're secretly believing, or, but, like, not really, it's like they can't understand, you know, they can't either understand or accept that, hey, wait, you know, that these things are inherently popular? And but also they can be that, you know, plenty of people on these boards uh, that run these companies, you know, can also really believe them. It's I mean, Walter Ben Michaels, which has written about since, like, you know, for 15 years now, talk about how neoliberalism is very, very happy to encourage, you know, anti-racist and diversity uh programs because it's, you know, just just to remove, you know, Everybody should be subject to the market, so we need to remove. Right.
0: It diversifies, like yeah. competition and, and those mar- those market forces. Yeah, we we need to, everybody. That yeah, only we, helps them.
3: Yeah, we need to remove all those barriers, so they will they will happily right. do all that stuff that you know. They, they so, will put. So
0: the issues the issues become about sort of social goods and who gets them and who doesn't, and then if the basis is merit, then neoliberalism gets to sort of persist, right?
3: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but it's and it's in but uh, but also everyone who's doing it, you know, the entire like everybody on those boards can all feel very, very feel very good about themselves that they're actually, you know, they're doing this they're doing something good. Well, anyway, yeah. one of the, uh, one of the questions I had for y'all is, what is your favorite part of the book? or What is your favorite, what, what's a favorite bit you have from the uh, book?
0: I, I, I didn't have anything that particularly I enjoyed about the book. The, you know, you know, uh, reading bits of Rousseau was kind of nice, but <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really, I, you know, it was, it was sort of baffling to see that, yeah, he, he, he wants to call out corporate culture, I guess because the entrepreneur takes the place of, of big corporate capitalism. It's interesting how he has to thread certain, you know, he has to thread the needle certain ways. I guess that's the only thing I enjoyed about
1: it. Yeah. How about you guys? What do you think, Jacob? I was really fascinated by his discussion of Derek Bell, and I actually appreciate him bringing this person to my attention. The New Yorker actually just ran an article about Derek Bell, which I uh, found highly amusing considering his brief appearance in this book. Yeah, he, he, uh, yeah, I wrote that down. No, founding he, father of modern critical race theory. Yeah. And I, I was just, and I think this is like a perfect summation of, of how Mark Living operates because he, he, sort of does this introduction and mentions uh, Thomas Sowell and says, Sowell knew Bell and also had little regard for Bell or his ideological movement. He believed Bell was not confident to teach at Harvard and earlier Stanford Law School and denounced Bell for demanding, quote, not only that people be hired by race, but that they be hired to fit Derek Bell's ideology. And if you actually read the New Yorker article, it's just... This is an insane characterization. But what really cracked me up is that if you follow the citation, (laughs) this is so good. Uh, It links to a 2012 Breitbart article Uh. uh, with the headline: "Thomas Sowell hammers despicable Derek Bell and compares him to Hitler."
3: Uh. Yeah, it's like the the only the only way he can he can deal with any Derek Bell stuff is through Thomas Sowell's book.
1: Well, and I mean, like he doesn't this like. It, that, that's, that's insane Like the, I, it, the worst thing That that Derek Bell ever did As near as I can tell Is that he basically threw a fit And threatened to quit Unless the university hired a black woman I, I, I actually chased this rabbit For a while but I have No idea how that makes him Hitler Like that is so weird Again, and yet, yeah. This is the foundation For his attack on Bell In this book like what the fuck are you doing Dude yeah,
3: it's again, it's like the the all of the slams are made for emotional affect. It's just yeah. kind of, is, it's like there's no, you know, just grab whatever, you know, it's like, well, he, well it's like why he continually throws around, like, you know, he'll come, he'll combine, you know, Antifa and BLM are Marxist anarchist organizations, domestic
2: and, terrorist organizations.
3: Yeah, and it's always the um, part of this is that like he does, he does the, he does the, do the, the, the standard, Uh, Like it's one of the things about like most uh, most things in American politics is that partisans can only only imagine anybody from opposing views like they can only project themselves onto the other people and think that they they act exactly the same way and think exactly the same you know in exactly the same ways only with like you know certain things flipped. So like it's like why like you know plenty of Democrats think the Republicans act the way they do, and plenty of Republicans think that Democrats act the same act the same the, the you know the the same way. So he is, he's constantly accusing you know again. It, it, He's constantly accusing any sort of like protest movement as being like this like top down it was like, you know, structured exactly as like the 70, you know, the moral majority was where you had the they're really well funded by billionaires and they're this top down doctrinaire organization. It's It's like it's it's very similar to how like whenever it's like a lot of right wingers, they can't conceive of education as anything other than indoctrination. And so when they when they accuse so thus they acu- you know it's like they use that they use the indoctrination as an attack but it's not they're not they're not they're not attacking liberal types or you know even non-conservative for indoctrinating people they're attacking them for indoctrinating them with the wrong thing you know it's like indoctrination is the point but you're doing it wrong
1: Yeah absolutely
2: yeah, I mean that you know when you ask me like, hey guys, what are, what's your favorite bit in the book? Or like, I I love this book. Like, I think it's fucking, <laughs> I think it's fucking brilliant propaganda. Again, when I when I when I kind of put it in scope to to try to like conceptualize, like, all right, so take a step back and think like, who's the audience? Who you know who's reading this seriously and who's taking this serious? You know, it's like. I mean, he goes through the whole thing, like, again, I'm going back, I think, to the media propaganda chapter, chapter six, I think, you know, where he's talking about we live in two worlds, right? There's this fictional world that the media creates for us based on these pseudo events. And then there's the real world of our lived experience. And then, you know, he goes on and and I'm looking at some notes here. My memory's not that good. I have some notes here. The repetition, force and pervasiveness of pseudo events creates a seductive appeal and it's like this is all great coming from the guy again who's like daily on conservative talk radio and is what once a week in the evenings on fox news still you know what i mean it's like it's like you you, you treat the other side as like doing what it is that you're actually doing right like so like, that you or you desperately
3: you, want like, to do yeah
2: yeah like you yep. are like you are a master propagandist you know what i mean but because right. it's like I, in ideological terms you're not doing propaganda because you're you're the I know the Matrix is coming out soon. He's 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 the he's the red pill, right? Or No, he's the blue pill. Which, which one frees right. you? Which one did Neo take? The to- The red
1: pill <laughs> is the one that frees you.
2: Yeah, so he's the red pill, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And all this other shit's the blue pill. Like I'm not the propagandist. I'm giving you, you know, and it's great because like in a previous chapter, he he actually quotes Blaswell, a big figure in political science, and you know, sort of like summarizes him, but then quotes him, but you know propaganda, is a tool used by the press and others, you know, to, I uh, have my notes here, cloaked as learning and wisdom, right? And it's like, that's what this book is, right? Like, here's all these quotes from from really smart intellectual people, you know, it has a formula, right? Here's these long quotes, here's my one-line throwaway, my reference to my previous work, and then my rhetorical question that dismisses it, right? And all I'm giving you is, because you don't, I don't have to cite anything more than Breitbart, because I'm giving you knowledge and wisdom, right? Yeah. And all these clowns well, are the are the yeah, problem, just... right? You know, it's like I think he's I can get him and his like Ivy League oh. interns. I, I like they know their audience. I, I think what they're doing is I I think they're hitting all the nails in the head. They're hitting them perfectly, and I'm fascinated by shit like this. Like I, it's it's Thank God I don't have my PhD like Andrew. and I'm not like constantly studying and writing on culture wars and and, and this shit. Like you know, he probably is, but like I find it I find a book like this to be. Terrible, terrible, and horrible, like like you guys said, and and boringly, like banging my head against the wall. But at the end, like at the end of the day, too, when I take a step back and think of, I'm like, oh, this is this shit's brilliant. And like, I wish, like, I wish, I wish Marxism was what he frames it as. I, I I mean, I wish you know, one of us, one of our comrades or friends out there, like, had the platform that he has to put out the same shit every six months. It's just like churning the machine of like, (laughs) like you know radical revolutionary or something. You know what I mean, but like, I, I think this shit's fucking brilliant and, and, and effective and maybe it's the third beer, but like, I just, I, I, I think there's something here and I think it's, I, I think liberals dismiss it because like, Oh, he said Franklin school and he said this or that, or like, obviously he's never really read Marx or he hasn't read Marx at least in 30 years since he was an undergrad. Like that's all well and true, but like to just, dis- to just dismiss it and act like it's not having a force with his audience and with his base think is in terms of practice is just wrong like there's this is having like an actual force out there somewhere i I don't know what the scale of that is but people are reading this people are listening to the audiobook and they're taking this seriously and and i think i think those of us that consider ourselves like the quote quote unquote real left or true left you know should should take this shit serious because this guy has a huge fucking audience and his, his radio show again i think andrew jeremy maybe you guys were saying earlier his radio shows what's really touching a lot of people more so than probably his books. Yeah. But the fact that he's got these books like legitimizes it. Like he's touting the same shit over the airwaves. You know what I mean? It's like it's all there's a little more method to the madness than I think than I think maybe, certainly than liberals want to give him credit for. You know? And, and I think it's a force to actually take seriously. But yeah, maybe maybe I'm the crazy one. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, I just want to mention that the pseudo events thing is not a Levin original. That's from Daniel Borston.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just very little to be clear. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like you know, he he throws it out there, like you know, CNN and and NPR and the New York Times are the ones that like are distracting you with these pseudo events. And what we're doing on my radio show or on Fox News is the real, you know, the real deal, you know. The real deal with Bill McNeil. Sorry, uh, yeah, his radio reference for the for the ten listeners who are into that show. But.
1: Yeah, there's there's so many little like like twists that he puts into these. Like in the in the last chapter, he's talking about how actually, sorry, libs, America is great and was always great, and he talks about let's see, indeed, future generations of patriots at tremendous sacrifice fought the Civil War to end slavery something no other country had ever done, costing hundreds of thousands of lives on fields and in towns throughout America. <laughs> well, why didn't any other country do that, out of curiosity? Like, was there some reason why that happened? And the, and the, other, and the next sentence really blows me away, where he says, <laughs> at Gettysburg alone, there were 51,000 casualties. Just out of curiosity, what are the demographics on those casualties? Because I'm pretty sure there were two sides and... I'm pretty sure one of those sides was not fighting to end slavery, so yeah. I don't think it's fair to count that side.
2: Dude.
3: Yeah,
1: the mass, well, Not
2: to mention the UK banned slavery just with the stroke of a pen.
3: Yeah, <laughs> dude, or, or, a or Parliament, or you know, or <laughs> not, Haiti not re- UK, revolted. You're, you're you know, sixty years there, before right. that. Yeah, or that you know, well, Haiti any, had, done, had already done a revolution before that.
1: Yeah. No. And he had another one where he said, nor was America's early economic success built on imperialism or colonialism. Yeah. The very resources America is falsely accused of plundering from other countries have not in and of themselves made those countries wealthy. Like, that is majestic. Yeah. Holy shit. What a fucking that, sentence. Like, the, the, exactly the falsely that. is so beautiful, like, because they can't they can't have. You know, mm-hmm. plundered them because they haven't made these countries wealthy. And if they haven't made the countries wealthy, then they can't have been plundered. <laughs> so, so, exactly. so what do
3: you? So what do you? Yeah. What are you all? What all of you? You know, whining about? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. Garrett, what was your? Uh, do you have a particular favorite bit? No,
0: not particularly. But but based on all the the conversation being <laughs> generated, I was just thinking about you know his reader, and I think that Jason's right, of course, that his reader loves like what what they're getting here and. I don't know how seriously to take it either. Like that's kind of where I'm at. But the, yeah. it, it was it was interesting. The yeah, just like like the the sentence that Jacob just pointed out was was one of the sorts of things that I found interesting about the book is yeah how you know that the current of what people on the right wing are supposed to be furious about and hate and be motivated by is 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 always shifting and it seems like it's it, the frequency in which. Big turns happens is, is increasing. Yeah. And, and, and so it's yeah. interesting to see a work like this that actually is trying to frame, frame a whole bunch of phenomena together as this thing called Marxism. Cause he, because I think Andrew's right. Like Marxism is probably going to be more prominent in the near future in, in sort of more mainstream discords. If we're lucky. And yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it's, it's really getting close and to breaking through a bit so he's trying to get out ahead of it but he still has to sort of deal in all these weird pieties and he has to think about all these little yeah. sub sec of conservatism and, and how to speak to them and it's just as it's it's weirdly just as um rigorous as the sort of performative language that liberals you know have to have to work on so much at the time you know
3: I, I don't know if i would call it rigorous so much as I mean, he definitely. Uh, let's,
2: say, let's say Byzantine. How's yeah, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, because which it's, is it... the word he uses to describe the the left forces that he's trying to combat. So that's a perfect yeah. word, actually. Yeah, Garrett, that's the perfect word, yeah.
3: Yeah, that's one thing. One of, the, one of the things that I did like about the book is just, yeah, once in a while, he woke up with certain turns of phrase or just really interesting sentences or combination of words, like, you know, talking about... A, hang on, one, let me let me pull this up really quick. There's a quote for you, His comment about the New York Times, which is one of those things that I, I found, like, I... I <laughs> One of those things I, sh- you know, I, I shared approvingly. Really quick, let me... Okay, here he goes. It is important to remember that the New York Times has, has a disastrous record on truth and human rights. It has been a propaganda operation for some of the most heinous monsters and regimes in modern history. Yes, <laughs> <Don't>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to say yeah, uh, no fucking shit. You know, we uh, we uh, we agree on that. And or I mean other other I mean other lines that he has talking about. You, he'll uh, phrases like you know decrying utopian autocracy or mobocracy. Is one of the mm. is one of the phrases, or many of these critics are steeped in theory and deathly afraid of experience, which uh, yeah, that's, it's just uh, kind yeah, of that's a good one. it's oh, hang on a second, hang on a second, let me let me look for my notes, just like, I,
2: yeah, I have pages of notes. If you guys really just want to keep yeah. recording for hours and edit Jeremy, I got yeah, pages just,
3: of notes. Bro. Yeah, from this is early from t- early in chapter two, titled uh, well, the chapter titled Mobs Utopia. <laughs> No, just, I think he, he, one of the opening comments is talking, he complained about utopianism, whether in the form of Marxism, fascism, or some other form of autocratic statism. And it's, yeah, again, it's like all, I mean, anytime he uses the that's the thing, is like anytime he uses the phrase Marxism in there, it's, it's only Stalinism, that's it. Like when he'll, like there is a part where he'll, actually, I can, I, shit, I just had the, I just had the quote here. The bit where he is complaining about Marxism only, yeah, here we go. Uh, This is from chapter one. So too does their demand for absolute one-party control over the body politic through various extra-constitutional schemes and other means, as Marxism does not tolerate the competition of ideas or political parties. Yeah. And, and it's one of those, it's, like I said, it's kind of a thing of like, again, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he, 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 he is, f- f- you know, vaguely wrong, but doesn't care. It's like, guess what? There, you know, there are plenty of other, <laughs> there was like German Marxists, for example, who had a big problem with what the Soviet Marxists wanted to do. But like, again, they don't care. You know, nobody cares. So.
2: Yeah, there's no distinction of Marxism here. I mean, it's like, look at North Korea, look at China, look at Stalin's Russia, look at Cuba. They're all police states and they're, they're, they're incredibly oppressive and there's no liberty and there's no, there's no, it's not an open society, right? You know, so marx himself is responsible for the death of millions and millions we've all heard all those those tropes or whatever right you know yeah it, it's it, it, it's you know again we we've, we've kind of i think we've all said it a number of times it's 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 this affect and like moral aggrandizing that that just makes everything lumped into the naughty word of marxism because bernie made socialism not scare anymore or whatever right you know It's all Marxism now. And Marxism is is terrible and evil and scary, and it's the specter haunting America.
1: That quote you mentioned, Jeremy, is particularly amusing because, in a way, he's almost right because the Democrats are pretty good at trying to, you know, basically suppress challenges and enforce their control. But the way I typically see them doing it is uh, against the left – And one of the recurring (laughs) themes has been them basically slapping down anybody who tries to, you know, maybe push them in a slightly more, dare I say it, Marxist direction. I mean, the DCCC has a whole program going where basically if you try to primary a Democrat from the left, basically you would not get any support from the Democratic Party.
3: Yeah,
2: and there's a there's an interesting thing there too with the the whole you know you know he, he 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 goes through a number of times you know what I'm what I'm what I'm what we're doing here what we're protecting is is a uh, constitutional republic right an open society but you know one of his prescriptions in the last chapter is in states that can do it you, we should pass we should pass legislation that takes these domestic terrorist groups the Antifa and the BLM or whatever. And remove their rights protests right remove their remove their free speech rights, you know it's like the we're you know the, the it's the the, the popper thing, right yeah, the tolerant yeah. society cannot tolerate intolerance intolerance, yeah even he had his whole he had his whole spiel on that earlier about the tolerance, tolerating the intolerant, but in the end it's just like well, tolerance is defined as as I see it in these conservative terms, and anything outside of that, we should be completely fine stifling. Because that's just those are just the people the domestic terrorists who are trying to corrupt our culture and society of uh, our oh, our open society right of 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 conservative whateverism right you know it, it's yeah. it's the you know but again these these sort of inherent these internal contradictions or whatever aren't aren't a, of an issue here for him or his audience right because it's like yeah of course like i should have free speech and antifa anarchists fuck them, right yeah you know like they shouldn't have free speech they're not they're not american yeah yeah and you know and and i think too many people dismiss a book like this because of those sort of contradictions and things but it's like again like i don't know what what the level is or what the scale is but like this should be taken seriously because there are a lot of people out there that are taking it seriously. And, and those are the people, you know, I think we've, some of it, we said some of this in text, you know, but it's just like, do you, you know, do you get to the point where you're just like, do we assume uh, a significant portion of, for lack of a better term, the working class is just lost because culturally they buy into sort of these values and these ideals and there's just, there's no way to reach them or, do you think about ways to sort of counter the agitprop prop here, and and you know, and, and sort of pull some people back? You know, like hey, this guy, you know, when he talks about the disillusioned and the or, or the he doesn't say disenfranchised, it's the disillusioned and the dissatisfied, right? Like, do you think of yourself like, are you happy with the system? No, you're you're a quote unquote a loser too. All right, well, do you want to buy into this like I'm a patriot thing that he's trying to sell you? Or do you want to like, let's, or do you, or do you have a moment here to like, let's pretend like everything he said about the other side is wrong and let's have a conversation about that? You know, like, I, I don't know what we do with those people, but, but he's definitely connecting to not just the petite bourgeois that, that, Andrew was talking about earlier, but like, there are, there are people, for lack of a better term, in the proletariat that are eating this shit up. You yeah. Know what I mean, oh, and, plenty, and, there has to
0: be plenty of them because yeah, he's attacking, yeah. he's attacking boardroom CEOs. He's not, he, you know what I mean like like
2: Yeah yeah oh yeah yeah cuz because we know boardrooms in America are full of fucking Marxists right like that's right. How you, you get into well, a boardroom by being a Marxist people yeah, yeah, that's how you get to the table, of the boardroom, is by being a Marxist, you
3: know. I'm just curious. He's yeah, not a
0: capitalist I anymore, I guess. You know what I mean? <laughs> like when, once you've gotten to the boardroom, but
3: we'll just see. I'm just, I'm just scanning through, trying to find the okay week uh, week of September 12th. I'm just looking, looking. Uh, I, I'm googling uh, book chart. Okay, oh look, yeah, he dropped one. He is no longer in the no longer in the top in the top three. He is he's down to he's number four. on the on the the most sold america amazon charts customer reviews uh, he's he's at a level he's at 4.9 stars with twelve point nine thousand reviews just above the body keeps the score and just below green lights by matthew mcconaughey all
2: right man living fuck yeah
3: of course it is how do we want to bring this at least to a somewhat successful landing
0: yeah i mean i don't know i i feel like what what jason just brought up about about what do we do about the people that 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 eat this up you know what i mean especially with what you were talking about jeremy about all the empty signifiers that float around that it's really just you know dis, you know you know um invalidate these human beings because i tell you to yeah you know what the what the fuck are you supposed to do about that because you know that's the shit that's just you know growing yeah and 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 we and i don't know how to counteract it but that's that's the that's the current in american society that i'm scared of
1: yeah i don't know we have to have we have to have mark on mark if you're listening come on the pod buddy you can talk to some actual marxists (laughs) figure out what's going on here yeah, yeah, it's be uh, a
0: min, be, be a mensch. Come on to our show. Don't make us come on to yours.
1: Tomorrow. I'll go on. I'll go on his show.
0: You should, but I don't. I don't have a. I'm.
1: I'm willing. I'm willing to do the Glenn Greenwald, Tucker Carlson thing. <laughs> gotcha. Um, of course, I'm not a Marxist, though, so that would be kind of futile. But I'm, I'm willing well, to go on. Well,
3: you got know, to Well, as as long as he can put you in the uh, in the Marxist, anarchist, BLM, antifa horde i guess just un, 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 undifferentiated yeah un, undifferentiated mass you probably you you know you will you you will qualify as you know the capital o other so
1: well i do live in portland so
3: yeah there you go yeah that's probably yeah that that'll you know hey that'll that'll do it that's all you gotta do anyway all right but well
1: I, I guess i don't know how to steer, steer this
0: out what do you think
3: at this point, how about we just do like final thoughts, and if anybody has any endorsements or recommendations of stuff they want other people to check out, and then we just close it up for the night? Because yeah, it's already a quarter past eight. What do y'all think? Or is there is there anything other that or was there anything that you were really really dying to make sure gets included in this episode?
0: Yeah, I want to ask a question of the panel. You can answer as quickly as you want to. What are these? What like so his audience? What do you think they understand the word individualism? To me, hmm. this is something I'm taking an interest in because I'm reading John Dewey actually, and I want finally, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to. It's good too. I'm really enjoying it. But the the con- his conception of individualism is is like something I'm trying to understand. And so the and so and so then it started me thinking about these people, like you know, because Dewey criticizes it from the perspective of you know like like individualism was an expedient that helped these revolutions that were occurring, you know, the French have some sort of place to put rights and, and a new political order onto the individual yeah. that
1: Every man a king
0: It's really grown, it's really sort of like metastasized way past its its, 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 its uh, good use and, and I, I see that in that rhetoric of individuality from this, this people like Levin but I don't understand what they mean by it
1: for individual. I don't know. I think I think it might be I think what it means is that if you have a birthday cake, you don't have to share any of it.
2: <laughs> that's not a bad it way to put it like, actually. That's kind of what it seems like.
1: Yeah. A lot
3: of it is uh, yeah. to go off of to go off of Matt Crispin's rants talking about how like a lot of these guys really do adhere to kind of this this fanciful jeffersonian idea of liberty of like america mm-hmm. as the 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 independent you know small landholder of the or I mean and then later getting into you know later getting into like the libertarian I mean, notion of like petty tyrant there. yeah
2: but it's, it's definitely in there somewhere I mean, for me, it goes back to, to what I was saying earlier about this sort of moral ag- aggrandizement that, that's on display here. I, I, for me, I, I think individualism means that, that anyone or anything that tries to tell you to think of yourself as, part of, as a part of something is immoral and wrong. Because our, our true sort of unit of analysis here for all moral questions and all, all practical questions is the individual. You are this unique snowflake, and I don't mean snowflake in the like withering, melting way, but like, a, but like a a fingerprint. You're this unique, you know, un- one of a unmatched, kind, unparalleled, yeah. one of a kind, you know, entity of moral dignity and consideration, which is, you know, backed up by all that sort of flowery, you know, you know, sort of all those adjectives and such but really it's just as point of it's like on a practical sort of practice level is that anything that tells you that you're something other than an individual is wrong and immoral right And i think that's what i think that's the importance of, of stressing sort of this generic idea of individualism is because all these other all these other movements or forces or groups or thinkers or whatever are yeah. going to try to tell you you're, you're a part of something else and don't and listen I- to them
0: I want to tie that back a bit to that will to power concept from earlier, because I think that's mixed up in what you're talking about, Jason. Like the like part of part of what you're saying is my, you know, my individual will to power, my desire to have whatever I, you know, absolutely whatever I want or to have things the absolute way that I want them is is sort of mixed in there, too, at least with a lot of those people, you know what I mean?
2: yeah i think so and i mean and there's this and he has this you know jared was kind of saying like if there's a last bit you want to add on or whatever like a quote that i that i have in my notes to keep going back to is we're talking about how he his marxists exploit the fact of human the fact of human inequality which exists for myriad reasons many having nothing to do with economic oppression or dislocation historic discrimination or injustice but the nature and consequences of individual conduct, motivation, work ethic, and luck, right. be it good or bad, right? Like, like, like there's, there's something fundamental to the individual there that, yeah, there's winners and there's losers. Some have a will to power. Some don't, if you will, you know. Um, but the funny thing is it's like Marxists and Marxism and all these things that the, the Levin's calling Marxists are based on all these fantasies and these lies. Because the world really runs on individuals, right, and it's this process of individual morality, individual decision making individual piety, if you will and 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 of course, but like you know he he goes he puts luck parentheses good or bad, yeah, but there's also this like invisible
3: hand there right market <laughs> like, market yeah marketology is like yeah, the yeah the, god, yeah, yeah. yeah the god the you know God is the free hand of the market. Yeah,
2: yeah. Or is the hand it's of the free like market? the side, they're the delusional fantasy utopian thinkers, right? Like, we have individual vigor and individual morality and individual liberty and the will to to win, right? Guided by the invisible hand of good and bad luck and other things. You know what I mean? Like, and that's where the individualism is important, to, to isolate the reader, to isolate the audience in some, you know, sort of – you know tyler durden's sense of individual strength and will right but to get you to distract you and ignore you or you know have you ignore structural things and systemic things and right and anybody telling you that you're part of something else yeah the enemy and the immoral problem you know so that i mean that's like that's my big takeaway my big final thing for for what it's worth to, to the people still listening but (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah that is that is one of the ironies of the book was like he, constant constant non-stop like attacking him. I mean it's it's almost like this Hold over, this cold War holdover of the, any anything collective any group oriented thing must be bad yep. but, except that the very the last chapter of the book is is you know his uh, his his what should be done chapter is all is hilarious which is, because, hilarious. Which is hilarious because it's, I mean, it mean literally is is just talking about well we need to take a tip from from Saul Alinsky, and it's all <laughs> in everything in the back of the book is all collective action like collectively take over your school board. Or like, there's. I mean, there's some standard. That's the, that's the funny thing is there's plenty of recommendations that that mirror just the most like lib shit possible of like talk. Only they flip some of the logic. The like, you know, con, you know, conscientious, cons, you know, consumerism, where like you know, support, you know, don't uh, support. Patriotic
2: and, consumerism.
1: Yeah, there we go. Patriotic, patriotic consumerism, consumerism,
3: yeah. consumerism. Yeah, it's the same thing. But yeah. it's
1: that was that was fucking astonishing because he's like, we have to do. BDS, but against, the against American woke. Marxism. Cool. Yeah, yeah you know, he most list he put... of things to boycott is, and I quote: corporate media, big tech, other corporations, Hollywood, sporting, cultural, and <laughs> academic institutions engaged in promoting American Marxism and its various movements. Like, I, what what does that leave you with exactly? Where, yeah. where are you going to go, buddy? Yeah, just said, yeah, it's good. But,
2: but I don't know how you go to Walmart because he also says to not do anything with with businesses that engage with in the in economics with China. So you can't shop at Walmart. You can't buy many things from Walmart. I mean, what do you? You're left with your mom and pop, I guess, right?
3: Is that it? No. I maybe if you're lucky. I don't know, but yeah. Can
2: I can I can I tell you guys one funny thing that that just might be funny and worth leaving in for the editing? Sure. So as so as I was finishing the book, I didn't realize the bootleg pirated PDF that I had was like 1600 pages, <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, why do I have 1600 pages? So 270 or so were 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 eleven, and then I got a David Ike book <laughs> in here. Interesting, and then I. I scrolled another about 500 pages, and I got Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals in the same <laughs> PDF. Bonus. I, sc- I scrolled a little bit further. The Red Pill Handbook, is that is that something that resonates with anyone? No. That was but... a very large document about, you know, your very. what I think you would assume something called the Red Pill Handbook is. And then the last part of the PDF, the last 200 pages or so, were the jaw of the antichrist which yeah i don't know so huh. wow so just for anyone out there who can connect the dots between mark levin david ike Saul lensky the red pull handbook and the jaw of the antichrist and tell me why you would want to sneak cuz i you know my download was just searching for levin's american marxism but those those five things were all combined in one pdf if anyone has that please reach out to jeremy garrett to reach out to the pod and let me know why what- <laughs> what the thread is there because i was standing here in my my in my home and, and laughing my ass off as i was scrolling through this 1600 page pdf and it's like i don't know what the dajal the, the antichrist is but i might have a few more beers and just skim through it and see what it is <laughs> did you say that uh, the jaw of the antichrist the jaw, d-a-j maybe there's an apostrophe d-a-j-j-a-l the antichrist dajal the, the antichrist yeah Hang I don't, on. Know. I don't d- know what it is, but like I said, I might have another beer or two and, and find out. You guys might get some late night text messages.
0: I mean, I bet that. if you, I bet if you read them all in a row,
2: you'll you'll know why they're connected. I mean, you'll know think, why
1: anything, everything is connected. You'll, I think if I read saying, them all in a row, the chief I mean, Satori.
2: Yeah, Levin's going to be my homeboy. I guess right. <laughs>
1: well, the Red Pill Handbook apparently includes chapters like the sexual marketplace. Male bonding, arousal, addiction, and isolation.
2: So it's um, an incel handbook. Okay,
1: yeah, so Dajjal
3: is I mean, the, the Dajjal, the false messiah. I guess Dajjal means, is, effectively means antichrist. Uh, it's yeah, from the, the Quran.
2: Dajjal, the antichrist,
3: yeah. Dajjal, the, the end of the world from the Quran. It's. Uh, okay. The, the, Dajjal, the deceivers, yeah. There's a lot yeah, of.
2: I, mean, I was just trying to pirate a, a book by a right wing nut job just to have a talk with some friends and comrades on a pod and. I got 1,400 other pages of gloriousness to go through. Yeah, you you got the the value pack. I got the golden ticket here. Yeah, yeah. You guys aren't going to hear from me for a few weeks. I got 1,400 pages of PDF to read.
3: Yeah okay yeah here we go al mashi al al Dijal, and I probably or Dijal, is an even an evil figure in Islamic eschatology who will pretend to be the, pr- the promised Messiah appearing before the Day of uh, Resurrection. The particular location of his first appearance varies, but it is generally from the east, usually between Syria and Iraq. Going off of the wiki entry. So I guess so, uh, you found so you so found quite
2: a, a is he a David Icke and like lizard person then I guess um you could pro-
3: I mean he's the anti <laughs> I guess he's the as the Antichrist or the the false Messiah maybe you could kind of like rope him into that but I don't know last thing is does anybody have anything they would like to endorse or recommend what have you been digging on. I can go if nobody has anything lined up yet. I've got some. Garrett, go cool. for it. Uh,
0: this week I read a pretty pretty good long-form essay. at, at It's called American Affairs.
3: The essay or the, the publication?
0: The publication is called American Affairs. Okay. The essay is called Into the Fairy Castle, the Persistence of Victorian Liberalism. And it starts off by talking about that sort of West Wing-like show from... Um, Denmark called Borgen and then goes on this really long bit about Victorian Victorian liberalism as seen through the sort of like the life and works of W.S. Gilbert from Gilbert and Sullivan fame and then kind of comes back around to, to conclude about about the ways that that contemporary entertainment shapes the liberal mind and Sort of alleviates them of their anxiety about being good or bad people, but really it's their lifestyle that tends to perpetuate like all the human misery on the planet. So I would recommend that, and I also.
3: But oh, no, article is know. from uh, the the article is from uh, is is uh, is it, yeah is at American Affairs. It is by Samuel Biagetti. Sorry, you know, it's, like,
0: long, it's long, so be forewarned. I thought there was something else I wanted to recommend, but I can't think of it right now.
3: Good Lord, there's also American Affairs. Also on the same page has an essay called "Woke Capital: A Dialectical History" by a Ronald W. Dworkin. Interesting, hmm. weird. Well, yeah. All right, who's next? What else? What else you guys? What else you guys want? Uh, have to share?
2: Jacob, you got anything?
3: I hate everything. Well, the, the <laughs> well, the, we knew that. We're still asking you
1: anyway. Yeah, I got nothing. I'll go. uh, I read. uh, I'll go for it. Why don't you go, Jim?
0: Okay, I'll I'll go. I read the book "The Utopia of Rules" by David Graeber. It's kind of his musings on bureaucracy, and I really really enjoyed it a lot. And it's actually what prompted me to read Dewey, Jason.
3: Okay. Awesome. Okay, cool. Uh A couple things that I will re- recommend. I will recommend the film Malignant. It is on HBO Max and in some theaters. It is directed, I think produced, and possibly co-written by James Wan. It is... Red Letter Media described it as not quite... It, it, it is... N- it's not quite Breen-like. Except, I that it is, it is well made. Well, it, yeah, it's, no, it's well made. It's, it, but it is definitely like a Breen film or, you know, it is definitely one of those films that you see and it is so properly bonkers. You immediately want to share, you know, want to like share it with like 10 of your friends of like, dude, you have to see this. And so I was, all that's all I got to say is that it is, yeah, seem malignant. The less you know about this film, the better. It, it is very much worth your time. The, um, other things I would recommend, I would recommend go see, uh, the band Bully. They are currently touring the U.S., and it was actually, uh, went and saw them last week. It was the, the first, my first post, uh, shit, you know, first post past pandemic. Correction, first post-lockdown, because the pandemic's still going, but lockdown sure is L.A. First post-lockdown live show. They they rock, and they have a surprise cover at the very end that's worth staying for. And other than that, I guess check out my recent appearance on Movie Night Extravaganza, where we discussed Big Trouble in Little China, and it is currently available in pod form or on YouTube. All right. Anybody else have anything to recommend or share?
1: Oh, watch Dirty Work. Uh, with norm Macdonald, it's a delight. Oh yes, rest in yeah. peace. Yeah. <laughs> We're just- oh, I, have, you know, I do have.
0: I do have one more thing. Sorry.
2: Oh, uh, I got some. Go on. No,
0: you go then, Jason. Because I've already oh, done a couple.
2: No, no you go, go. Go Go. You're probably better than what I've got.
0: Well, I doubt that, but it's a podcast, and I, I rarely recommend podcasts. I'm not recommending the whole podcast. I'm actually just re- recommending five episodes of it. There's a there's a podcast called Pan SciCast, and they they. They I think it's like it's a pretty liberal show, so I don't want to send like Marxists or left wingers over there thinking that they're gonna get something, you know, in that vein. But they did a really good like five episode series on Arthur Schopenhauer, who I think is sort of a, an interesting philosopher and who doesn't who doesn't really get the attention that they deserve. And these guys do a really good job of analyzing that. So check out the Schopenhauer episodes of the podcast Pan
3: Psychast. Can you uh, can you spell Psychast or spell the yeah, title? Yeah,
0: so it, it's like psychic. So so P S Y C H A S T, I believe. Hang on, let me look at my podcasting app.
1: Can you spell Schopenhauer?
0: S H O S C H E N E R S C H O Yeah, S C H O P E N F A U R.
1: No mentions of Schopenhauer in American Marxism, by the way. Cool.
2: <laughs> no no surprise there. If you're really um, interested in Schopenhauer, watch the thin red line, and you will see the will and representation in each of those characters per R. Kevin Hill, brilliant, yep. yeah, No. professor at Portland State University.
0: Jeremy, it's P-A-N-P-S-Y-C-A-S-T. Excellent, thank you. Yeah, no problem.
2: All right. I only have one quick, two click plugs. I've been finally watching, I finished Deep Space Nine, and I'm in, in deep into Voyager as a longtime Trekkie who has never given these shows a proper watch. They're fascinating, brilliant, and beautiful. Watch them if you can. And then if anybody wants to reach out to the pod, is it a- Aeon? Aeon? The site Aeon? How do you pronounce it? Aeon? Aeon?
3: A- Aeon. Aeon. Yeah, I just called it the case. Aeon.
2: There was an article on there recently called The Mind Does Not Exist. And it's written by a PhD student named Joe Guff or Gao. I don't know, but I've only read the first part of it. But if I'm going to plug something, it's it's my top bookmark to read because his general no-mind thesis strikes me at first, shot, at first sight as horseshit. And I'm fascinated by it and I can't wait to read it. So I encourage the three of you to please read it and tell me what you think. And anybody out there listening, please read it and, and, and reach out because Jeremy and Garrett and Jay will get to me let me know what you think, because the, the, the no-mind thesis strikes me as is interesting, but I'm going to read it. And that's just one random-ass thing on the Internet. Out of all the million things you get suggested to you, go check it out and let us know what you think.
3: Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, I guess going around, I mean, we <laughs> we guess we don't really need to give out our contact info or any of that bullshit or, or anything. I don't really think we have anything really to plug or something, because... Uh, unless anybody want, does anybody have anything that they want to plug? I don't. I mean you've already mentioned you a
2: host. Yeah. Everybody knows you. Right. I mean I'm I'm on Twitter. If anybody really wants to follow at J T Dialectical, sure, go follow me. I don't ever really tweet, but I'm online.
3: <laughs> Fair enough. All right. And, but anyway, yeah, I want to thank you all for, for joining us tonight. It has been a hell of a show. And I guess you, well, usual, if you have any questions or comments, you can contact us at giving the mic at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook at giving the mic. We are, <laughs> our show is made possible by listeners, listeners like you. Just go, if you would like to help us make this thing, either with a one-time donation or with a recurring donation and even a recurring donation of just as little as a dollar a month helps go a long way. You can help out us you can help us make the show at patreon.com slash giving the mic. I want to thank all my guests and co-hosts, Garrett, Jacob, Jason, and Professor Andrew Hartman. Who uh, told us not to call him professor when he was on last time? So we're gonna do that anyway. And yeah, we well, thank you all. And uh, again, and nothing else. Uh, don't read uh, Mark Levin's book unless you can. <laughs> uh, unless it fall, you can maybe. I don't, shit. Even if it, you have a copy that fell off the back of a truck. It is. I guess it's 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 not worth it. It is unless uh, well. No, I don't even not even it doesn't even work as like an ironic read. It's 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 yeah, there 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 are far better ways to expend what little time you have left on this planet. And without further ado, I want to thank everyone for being here and unless we have any final words, I would like to bid you adieu and good nights. So Yeah, I gotta run.
1: I, I have to attend Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend's wedding in a little bit, so I gotta run. No 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 topical jokes. Actually, no, wait. We already did a topical joke earlier.
3: Biodome. Adieu. Adieu.
1: Indeed. All right. Good night, y'all. I forgot to mention he, like, dedicates this book to his dog.
2: Oh, he wrote an entire book about that dog, bro. Seriously.
1: his, his dog sucks it's an ugly dog oh
2: well no <laughs> i'm calling his know?
1: dog out that that dog is he, trash. Ha-
2: he has a whole book about that dog about how he adopted it It was a rescue and yeah yeah oh yeah Just look look into it jacob that that's
1: I'm, that's your that's your next i'm not I, this, like this <laughs> dog I, get a cat I'm like why why don't you want a cat <laughs> cats are the ultimate individualist cats hey, don't give hey. a fuck I'm gonna have to bolt. It's a couple hours later
3: here. And, okay. um,
1: I gotta like deal with some children's type stuff, but okay. um, it's, I hope that's okay.
3: Oh no, that's fine. So
2: there goes all our credibility, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> going to yeah, go. Right, it's going to go, right. it's, he's, it's gonna go adulting. Damn it. it!
1: You guys are uh, in trouble if you're relying on me for credibility.